0: Hello everyone and welcome to Synesthesia, a podcast about the creatives who shape the aesthetics of music.
1: We chat to the artists behind the record sleeves, videos, photo
0: shoots, and stylings of the freshest new sounds, exploring how contemporary culture, fashion, illustration and design reflect and enhance the musical experience. Music has always been our passion and remains an integral part of our lives.
1: That's why we decided to put together this podcast, which we called Synesthesia, because we perceive music not only with our ears, but also with our eyes.
2: Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist.
0: Hi everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Synesthesia, the number 15, which is quite a milestone. As when we kicked off with the show, we thought that reaching 10 episodes would have been already a big deal. It's exciting to be marking this achievement discussing the music identity of a brand I've been wearing since I was able to choose which clothes to put on. I'm talking about car art work in progress, and I assume that 99% of our listeners have owned at least one car art item in their lifetime, especially if they spent most of their weekends either clubbing or skateboarding, even more likely if they did both and if they were into graffiti or the hardcore scene. Anyway, to represent the ultimate streetwear label at our microphones today are Michael Leufen and Philipp Meiberg, the two heads of music at Car Work in Progress, who are tuning in from Berlin. Also, this is our first virtual trip to Germany with Synesthesia, another reason to be really cheerful. Hi, Michael. Hi, Philip. Welcome to Synesthesia. Hi. 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 How Hi. are you? How was my pronunciation with your uh, German surnames? Perfect, almost.
1: Yes, I like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. It's one of the keys that kept me uh, listening to Synesthesia.
0: <laughs> <It's not there>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I studied the German for 13 years, so I still remember a few things. Okay, so, very good. You must be super busy these days. So, spending an hour of your time with me, I really appreciate that. I will like to split the episode in the past present and future of Carart Work in Progress commitment to the international independent music scene but first I would love to get to know more about you because if brands are so cool in the case of carat, it's because there are people like you behind these brands. For all the young creatives young and not so young who are listening and would love to land a job like yours in which you constantly breathe and shape culture how does one end up working in the art music department what were your professional lives BC, aka before art? Philip, I think
2: Philip is the best way okay. he was the earliest okay. okay. the funny thing
1: is that the story of Michael and me started long before Gerhard actually we are both from a small town in the Niederrhein area the part of germany which is very close to the netherlands we both come from the outskirts of a city called Mönchengladbach which most of you might know for its football team so cool. we both grew up there and uh, we knew each other but mm. and you know there's this strange german separation between friends or very close mm. friends and friends you know if you if you would define it that met the first first time like when we were 18 19 so uh, <laughs> a long time ago yeah. a long time ago we knew each other and we like each other but we were not close friends
0: as you uh. would say there is a way to say it in english it's acquaintance yes yeah, it's, yeah, yeah it's, maybe it's.
1: yeah yeah perfect yeah. yeah
0: you were 18 and 19 and then what yeah.
2: happened we were also somehow in the same peer group we yep. went to, at that time, the little town still had some clubs that played like, what we call today progressive music, you know, yeah. different yeah. sorts, what was coming up in the late 80s. So there we already met too. So.
1: Yeah, we, it was a small town yeah. and if you were into music and yeah. subcultures, you knew each other if you are from the same
0: yeah.
1: uh, age group somehow. In Mönchengladbach, you know, there was, there was one famous player, again, back to the soccer team called Günther Netzer. And Günther Netzer, he owned a club called Lover's Lane. And he used to drive through Lover's Lane in the 70s uh, with his yellow Ferrari. This club was later uh, renamed, and when he was no longer his club, into Sunrise. And Sunrise was shaping many people from all over, like from the Netherlands and Dusseldorf came there to listen to really underground 80s music. It's one of the places that you need to get in touch with subcultures. Then also, on the same street, there was a bar, ea yeah, 80, that's the fam- most famous punk band from Mönchengladbach. So, There we kind of met, came to know each other and were connected to other local bands and stuff. So uh, music was the key. And then we lost track a little bit and I moved away from Gladbach to different cities and then finally ended up in Düsseldorf, actually 25 years ago. And meanwhile, I played in a couple of bands and and started DJing and found out that you can actually mix vinyl into (laughs) two vinyls into one. uh,
0: With great results.
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. with great or not so great results maybe I was fascinated by this I moved to Dusseldorf and that was 1996 and I was already touched with the uh, jungle at this time in and Germany
2: you can say there was in Cologne a, a music fair called Popco and there was the first Metalheads night in 1994 yeah, yeah. We or something posted, yeah. and everybody who later yeah. did something even if it is the Google Tech distribution in Cologne certain records those producers everybody was there Goldie but played, the Goldie played Later, chemistry in storm,
1: chemistry in storm. No. and our friend Las Vegas Las Vegas who
2: later launched Groovetech
0: did you meet again at this Metal Heads night? we
1: were there we were but, there both uh, but we had another crossing point because um, actually I, uh, when I moved to, to Düsseldorf things went speeded up pretty much for me I was kind of uh, I met Michael Scheibenreiter who uh, I started producing with and had this uh, drum and bass project called Phoneheads. yeah we got a record deal very quickly Quickly,
2: I was I went away after my social service from montigny and uh, I studied mainly in a city called Bochum. Where, I, but I never lost lost track or touch to music, and uh, was a constant buyer and observer. And then I think also at around that time, ninety eight, ninety nine, I started to write about music and uh, work for besides studying for a few magazines. Yeah, and uh, that's how we somehow. Met again. I think we, we ran each each other. I mean, we we met again in between. But deeply, we saw each other often at the early 2000s in Sona Festival.
1: Also, yeah, uh, that's yeah. where
2: we met very often. But um, where- the best is I give it back to Philip because Philip was earlier then on affiliated to Carhartt, and that was your initial question. Yeah. You know how these things come up because Philip already, I would say. 2000? No, 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 no. In, in
1: 1997 already, we released with Phonats our, our second album. We were in touch with the former Kahart marketing chief that was Oliver Dravis back in the time. We ran into each other, came to know each other, and then he got endorsed us with some clothes and helped us out with, with some tour sponsoring. So I was first touch base with Kahart as an artist DJ producer. So that was my first touch point, and then. We, we really uh, got closer, Oliver and me, and he told me that he would like to, to start a record label for Carhart or linked to Carhart. Then we discussed about it and decided to to found this record label.
0: Combination In- Records, wasn't it? Yeah. So, Philippe, you are saying that your first proper official collaboration with Carhart was to launch Combination Records, which was yes. Carhartt's very own label. And we are talking about 1998, 1999.
2: Uh, Combination records was 2000. And when did you join
0: Carhartt, Michael?
2: Well, for me it was then, if we stay chronologically, (laughs) as I said, you know, Philip and I never lose track, so he knew that I was writing. And in 2001 or 2002, I'm not sure, Carhartt launched a magazine called Rugged. I don't know if you remember that or know it, it was a 10 edition, 15 edition, anyway.
0: I do remember it because it was uh, distributed in Sardinia as well. I was a young skateboarder. I was only 12 at the time, but I would just flick through the magazine to find inspiring outfits. But most importantly, tricks. that I wouldn't have been <laughs> able to do. Yeah,
2: and Philip asked me to write for it. Put me in connection with the guy who ran the magazine, Michel yeah. Le Bueble. So I started to write for Carhartt already as a freelancer from that time on.
0: We talked about your musical background. How about your visual one? What kind of stuff were you into? I'm assuming that belonging to the counterculture scene of your small town, and generally speaking, the German underground scene, you fed a lot into zines, comics, and this kind of stuff.
2: It's a bit difficult to talk today about that times because they were not that segregated. You know, I don't know how to say it. You had fan sites that have also comic part. You went to places where redskins, psychobillies, punks, uh, people who like hippocampus, You know, we were under one roof. It was a bit different then. So to be specific is a bit hard, especially end of the 80s, early 90s, to say I was a a psychobilly or I was that. I could never say that. myself but I was definitely into let's say more or less uh, underground music that was what was um, supported in the venues but the
1: visual aspect of course I was into into brands and outfits and style and stuff like this of course this was part of the uh, of the youth culture that's clear but I must say that I really engaged with uh, visual arts when I moved to Düsseldorf. Because we were producing, Michael uh, Scheibenreiter and me, we were producing phone heads at a studio called Atatak. And Atatak um, is the birthplace of bands like Der Plan und Fehlfarben, or even Andreas Dorau. So a lot of um, music which defines the, yeah, the musical pop heritage of, of Düsseldorf. And here is a really strong connection to the Düsseldorf Arts Academy. Also at this place, I learned more about the music from the generation before I would say from Düsseldorf, like Neu and of course, craft work. Of course, I knew craft work and stuff, but but I, I got deeper in touch and I found out, ah, okay, the, the cover artwork for Kraftwerk, that's Emil Schultz. And he's actually a fine artist who who studied at the Arts Academy Dusseldorf, which is the most important influence for the city uh, in, in general. Philippe, and, would you say and,
0: and, that this artist has been one of your main influences?
1: Aesthetically, like uh, Emil Schultz, yes. When it comes to cover artwork, definitely. Like, the, the early craftwork uh, the, the craftwork covers like autobahn and stuff, and you must know that, and I only found out when I moved there that these artworks he he painted on glass it was taken it was photographed from the from the mm-hmm. glass really interesting, different technique to approach. And so that was super interesting. And then in one of the gatefold covers of Kraftwerk, there's a, uh, a black and white picture by Becher. That's the German photography uh, school, like Bernd and Hilla Becher, they are the foundation of what is now no- known as uh, Düsseldorf photography, like uh, Andreas Gursky and Ulf and you know, so, So I think this strong link, this really fascinated me and uh, was opening really new worlds for me. And then later also, of course, when I found out about Neu and and Klaus Dinger and how he sprayed this Neu artwork (coughs) and stuff, this was really fascinating,
0: I would say. So do you feel like we have given our listeners a fair idea of your backgrounds? Michael, is there anything you want to add? I mean,
2: you could add a lot, but it's okay like (laughs) this. Maybe what to say is, uh, just to, to close the chapter, I was studying in Bochum. I finished my studies, there, worked there, but was affiliated to music and in 2006, I started to join Combination Records. I quit my jobs at university and started to work with Combination Records with Philip together. And yeah. at that time, still Frank Dapino, who is today um, Salon des Amateurs DJ, DJ yeah. and yeah. affiliated. So just to, to mark, you know, the chapters that you know, then we came together on a daily basis for work.
0: So now we can switch our focus from your professional paths to character. So we are not talking anymore about what you did before, but we need to talk about Carhartt Work in Progress. Since Carhartt Work in Progress was founded in 1989 by Edwin Faier, he was able to carry over the brand's legacy, consolidating its sphere of influence on counterculture and that has been quite of a smooth organic process that resulted into the spontaneous birth of a proper tribe, a Carhartt Work in Progress tribe. It's indeed well known that Carhartt didn't choose the culture, but the culture Chose Carhartt. So, I would like if you could trace the most important moments for Carhartt first and Carhartt Work in Progress then in their relationship with music and street culture. I would start from the early 90s rap scene when Tupac was going to the Grammys in his Carhartt Michigan coat and Mobb Deep was wearing an iconic Carhartt beanie in the Survival of the Fittest video. What can you tell us about that era? Yeah it's of course this
1: is the foundation for carhartt work in progress uh, I mean the best quote you already brought about the culture that has chosen the brand this authentic and organic approach is what we still keep today basically that's what always everybody before us and what, what we always keep. As long as you keep this spirit translated in a contemporary way, then that's Kahat basically. What was really interesting was the moment uh, that this, I mean, this birthplace is of course uh, the US, but uh, Edwin Feb actually started Kahat vip in Europe. It was translated into the European subcultures. And back in the days, it was, you know, definitely club, clubs and electronic music, but of course also the, the, the European hip hop scenes and stuff. So also, aside from music, Kahar played a very important role in skateboarding and BMX and graffiti and even breakdance. Long before the big players uh, entered the game. Then we had to reinvent ourselves, you know, again and again. And uh, so, and that's basically also what what keeps the brand fresh.
2: Yeah, and I think what Philip mentioned is very important that you don't, I mean, we talk now about music, but all the other arms are also important for the whole picture.
1: What is important to Mm -hmm. mention is that there's a core team at Carhartt. Our brand director, uh, Wilfried Hatzardt, who started in a Carhartt store in Paris and came from a graffiti background. And then we have Tim Kotman, Seek and Destroy, who actually designed our first covers and was also designing combination records with his uh, former partner, Magic. So these people that are still defining um, the aesthetics, that's a long lasting story. Yeah, they are woven in, in the brand, definitely. Yeah. And that's a completely different approach uh, than if you think of other big global players in in textile industry. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a yeah, completely that, different approach.
0: The ultimate question is, And this is hard to answer. How come did the culture, the underground, choose Carhartt? What's the secret?
2: Hmm. I mean, in the US, it's obviously, I would say, especially for the hip-hop groups or peers, to choose Carhartt and Dickies as worker clothes and something basic in the beginning, to make a point, you know, to have your uniform that reflects where you're coming from, but then making the transition to here. I mean, you can say the hip hopers were in card, so the hip hop is here, Wanted to work hard, but I don't think that's all.
1: No, no, it was once you have this moment that the culture chooses you, you should maybe not yell to edit too loud. You yeah. <laughs> know, you should be you should show that you know about the culture and contribute to it rather than obviously just use it for your purposes.
0: That's probably why CarArt doesn't play that uh, hype game that other brands are playing right now with very limited edition uh, collections, uh, queues outside the shops. I don't know, that's the secret why culture is still choosing you. Maybe the thing is,
1: especially for our uh, music projects, we know when to step in at which moment, but we also know when is the moment for us where we are maybe not the right partner any anymore because maybe, I don't know, the, the artist gets too big or, you know, it's on a different level or works with other brands. And uh, on the other hand, we always kept the spirit to work with artists on a long term and also somehow build a relationship which is trustful. A good example yeah. is, for instance, when we started to, re- to work on real collection with a music uh, approach for, for Carhartt, we, we started this with the Sound of Detroit series where we actually cleared rights of influential uh, records from from Detroit, n- not only from hip hop or techno but actually jazz and blues, and so there 's yeah. so many to name like i don 't know Eddie Hazel, uh, the Gories. Mm or, or um, Cybertron and then one of the good examples is for this series we've cleared Moody Man's Black Mahogany art, artwork to print on t-shirts and there we were uh, in, in touch, I mean yeah. we were all always in touch but here we were actually working together and from this point we have really built a strong relationship with yeah. him and his labels until today and we were yeah, yeah. we've been ending up to do a real Mahogany yeah. records collection, we supported Soul Skate, yeah, the, we produced the Soul Skate movie and that's maybe a good example of how we work you know we build a relationship and when the artist uh, has something to say and needs our help uh, maybe to make something happen which might also happen without us but maybe with our help it can be done in a better way you know somehow that's a perfect moment for us to, to step in
0: it seems like the key is to give back to the artist and the community because there are brands that only take yeah. from the artist and from the scene whereas Uh, Carart always uh, tries to find this balance between taking and giving back yeah Yeah.
1: Yeah. and maybe what definitely helps is that uh, we have the perspective from all all angles like Michael has the journalist background I have a background as as artist and as label maker and also as festival producer or promoter we know all the needs from these sides but we also know the brand needs and then you can find the right moment and the right uh, format to to do something good which is actually convincing for everybody and it's not not just, uh, okay, let's buy an artist's face for whatever, you know, brand idea. So that's maybe the the key point. um.
2: What is also uh, important to note, I would say, is that since when we talked about our early story till today, we are somehow rooted in the music culture here. So that means it didn't stop. We know a lot of people, we grow with it. So it's also not so unorganically when you approach people, uh, even if you don't know them, then you maybe approach them about Somebody that you know so that means we are not just aliens that are coming from outside yeah it's a very I think very important part because it's not like we approaching somebody with a paycheck and it's in an email. We mostly also know their music, their style, their look so it's another feeling that you give towards the one with whom you do the project.
1: Another example is maybe Carhartt Whip Radio.
0: We will talk about Carhartt Whip Radio very soon. Eh? But okay, first, okay. Uh, yeah, first yeah, okay, okay. you mentioned uh, Moody Man And uh, Moodyman, Detroit, Underground Resistance. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the magic, the love story. Between the clubbers and the clothes with a C on them, how come every club I go to, in each city in the world, there is at least one person besides me, of course, wearing colored? I mean, uh, if you could tell
1: the magic, then this would be boring. Then everybody could do it. You know, that's yeah. uh, best about this magic in in pop culture, in 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 general, when there's no formula to understand yeah. and to follow. You know, but to be as good as possible. Maybe uh, you could say that on the one hand there's this great heritage that the Kahat brand delivers and also Kahat work in progress if you look at the origin of this idea like in the late 80s but also to keep whatever we do in 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 music very contemporary, so it's always the view to the to the past, but always paired with the view to to the future. That's yeah. maybe key for whatever we do. A good example is maybe this project that we've done for Trojan Records. Like if you look at this uh, project, we you talk about uh, Trojan Records, which was uh, you know uh, the, the the idea of you know bringing Jamaican music to the UK or to Europe in general. You know this mm. this base let's scratch it down like this but then of course it's again a story about heritage and history but then this got reinterpreted by the boot boys who uh, who were known for their for their for their bootleg works you know so that was one of the real official jobs yeah. <laughs> for them to work on this collection so it's a view back you know because it's kind of Entertainment, you could say, you know, to teach a little bit about the history of Trojan records, but at the same way, it has a very contemporary design approach. So this mix is maybe the best uh, description.
0: Yeah. You mentioned Trojan, but we can mention Motown as well, your Motown collection, yeah. another um, tribute to an historical label. From
2: Detroit, that's important. <laughs> yeah,
0: that we
1: wouldn't have done Motown if we wouldn't have done other great things yeah. before in, uh,
2: all the other stuff, it's like one uh, story, you know, how to say this. Yeah, with the sound of Detroit. Yeah, sound of Detroit, Mahogany, Sky Strata, Underground Resistance, and you have to say Underground Resistance, Motown, and also Moody Man's uh, shrine for prince they are all on the same street yeah grand so, boulevard uh, so it's uh, it's all grand boulevard <laughs> and now
1: a new project from ours it's also based on grand boulevard that's the underground music academy which we support it's it's run by underground resistance and wajid so they built this house which uh, which is a place for workshop and uh, education of young musicians. detroit musicians mm-hmm. of the new generation and we we support this place too in order to make sure that there's something that there's also the soil for something new to happen from from Detroit.
0: You know what's interesting about this? eh? Since you mentioned the Trojan records and Motown, If any other brand had collaborated with them, probably they would have been accused of cultural appropriation. But the fact that you guys are on the streets, know the people who are behind these labels and who created the scene in the city, for sure that gives you the credibility and the respect to kick off these collaborations.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that you say this because when we launched Underground Resistance, we were thinking in the first place that there will coming something up like this from the hardcore techno fans and scene that stand or that like the aesthetics and the way how Underground Resistance representing itself to the public, but nothing really happened. It was uh, no
1: largely no. It was really well received, and yeah. of course there were some discussions, but. Yeah. The funny thing about the best thing about Underground Resistance to tell they approached us because Kenny a moody man he did this collaboration with us and uh, mm-hmm. one of the pieces was um, a trolley for Mahogany Records and which we did with UDG and but out of Kahat Dearborn yeah. canvas and um, as he lived lives across the street uh, actually Underground Resistance I don't know if it was Mike or anybody else from the group saw, saw him and said man how did he work this out you know mm-hmm. so they were in touch um, with Marie Staggart who did this great book 3131 Love where she actually almost documented everybody from the Detroit electronics scene yeah. and so we've been sponsoring this book as well and then she brought Timeline to, to Berlin, Berlin yeah. and that's where we met Underground Resistance and mm. they were just hey can we talk and uh, mm. so that's how we started the relationship with, with UR who, yeah. who would probably never really have done anything with the brand That
0: there is a Carhartt tribe spread all around the world, and without yeah. the tribe, uh, there wouldn't be any collaborations, uh, probably of this kind. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. probably not. Yeah. yeah, Michael, you were eager to be talking about Carat Radio, and I am really eager too because radio is uh, still my favorite media. Uh, so, uh, can we try to explain our listeners why a fashion brand needs to have uh, and invest money in their own radio? I mean, it was not a why it was an idea you know actually it started in 2008
1: when 2008. we stopped combination records we thought okay the idea of selling physical music in a physical way was doubtful back in or to or at least it was a doubtful business kind of approach back in this day when yeah. when uh, it started with burning cds and then downloading and we were thinking okay why why, why should yeah. and a lot of distributors run, that uh, distributors that went bankrupt and stuff so we approached <laughs> carl and said hey we should be connected to music with a different way than with a record label actually and we should start something like a radio monthly radio show and we should start to work with artists in a different way and more contemporary and that's how we started Card
2: Radio Mm. which is important because it's very often forgotten when people talk about Card Radio, we mostly don't do just DJ mixes, you know, we we always put a spotlight on the work of an artist, a label or let's say a group of musicians or whatever, you know so it's not like, hey, can you do us a mix with your latest, nicest tunes, Uh, it's rather a look inside into an artists that we think is interesting. And that doesn't mean that he has to be very much known, you know, like let's say now we have Goldie in our Card Radio show, but three months ago, we had Cash Jones, which is now coming up a bit, but he's a young producer from New York. So we try to balance this also out as Philip said before with designs and other stuff to be contemporary, to be young and to look into the future while also showing big names that uh, achieved something.
1: I think uh, consistency. That's maybe the best <clears throat> and sustainability in a in a cultural way. Like to be there for. I mean, Car the radio. That's that's a radio channel since 13 years yeah. now. That's you don't have this often. That a, that a brand is linked to to such a project for such a long time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, fashion usually thinks in seasons, and uh, 13 years. That's yeah. many many seasons. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Many speakers and also parallel to Carart Radio, you've been uh, collaborating with NTS since uh, basically their day one. What uh, made you gravitate uh, towards uh, NTS? It's a good question. We met them very early on, but
2: I, I try to recall was it the re- was it the reason that sh- that Femi was still connected to Boiler Room
1: Femi was connected to Boiler Room and yeah. then let us know that he's starting his his own thing yeah and um <clears throat> we met Sean and Femi very actually early, very yeah. early and you could feel that they are doing this <laughs> really with a lot of passion yeah. and we love the fact that they give space not only to the top DJs but also like anybody could come up with a, you know, who has a good concept or a fascinating collection and would get a slot for his show and it was all for the love of the music so we were there from day one and we, we never left so yeah. we've always found an angle to work with with NTS. Yeah. I must also say Sean, Femi, Tabitha, Rory, this this crew that we're working with mm. from NTS, they are the, the greatest people that, yeah. that we've ran into from music business you know for it's a long, a long time. time and so and i must say all respect that they are that they how they build it up and never really commercialized it you know in yeah. a way like others did I'm full of respect for this
0: once again I am full of respect for what you are doing with um, NTS also because of the um, program the artist development program you launched in 2020
1: we, we've worked with NTS on many projects like we've actually yeah. rebuilt the NTS booth yes. and yeah. brought it story. to the streets and, and and brought it all over Europe to 40 different cities and broadcast it from this booth from this rebuilt NTS boost we saw that we can build projects with, with NTS which are more than okay let's sponsor them you know yeah. we really saw that we can create something together again which makes sense for all parties for the artists that got featured in, in, the, in the cities and were interviewed by NTS resident DJs and stuff but also for NTS they got a different audience and we had of course attraction also for our stores so that was a perfect fit which ended actually in a, in a proper collection
2: which we launched and also important to say, every stop we did, we always had lo- local newcomers playing. Yeah, yeah. We exactly. invited somebody and then local newcomers. So it was, in a way, a little bit like supporting also youngers who come. Yeah. Up. You know, yeah. it was never like we doing NTS in Milano and we book big names. Yeah, yeah. It was one and then. Local yeah. talents. Yeah.
0: So yes, I mean, Karart uh, is always where it needs to be. Right time, right place.
2: Yeah, uh,
1: and maybe to answer to the Vip uh, mentorship program, they set this up really properly with with um, also f- with funding from the British Arts Council, um, and uh, we're looking for other partners. So we we teamed up. And of course the name, (laughs) the work in progress uh, name uh, made it an easy entry for us. So we've been supporting already the second season of this program and we are working on a third and the outcome is amazing, really. Like uh, if you look at the the, the selection right now, like Paris Aidan, Slauson Malone, uh, there's their records. There's really, really really good artists involved. And uh, it seems to really Makes sense to have this mentorship program and their own shows and to get possibilities which they might not have even now if you look at the this this year now it may makes even more sense because otherwise they just would, it, would have been have had the option to broadcast from their bedrooms, you know? So it was. It's maybe even now more important than before.
0: Philippe, you mentioned another keyword, which is a collection. When mm-hmm. I first contacted you guys, it was to talk also about the relevant parties, a capsule collection, because that's the present of Carhartt. So it's time to discuss this collection in which you collaborated with seven of your favorite independent labels, including Ghostly, Stone Stroh, Ninja Tune, Jazzy Sport.
1: Yeah, the history of this music collection, you know, we've named already a few, but there's also others to name, like Noi that we've collaborated with, yeah. or Filakuti. And once we got to the point to, to finally do this Motown collection, that's maybe the biggest thing that we've done at this point and it kind of felt that just to continue would have been difficult uh, and in a way because that's of of course i mean the greatest match and the biggest you can have uh, and we needed to lead it slowly to this point Um, so after this uh, we thought we need a more conceptual approach again with a new angle and you know being more than collaborating with one partner, you know. Mm. So the idea was now that kids get in touch with music, mostly through streaming platforms, you kind of lose actually the knowledge about the labels behind, because it's so important Mm. for, for any newness in music, there's mostly an independent record label behind no matter from which country it comes from so we decided to highlight this this the work of the founders behind you know because there's not so much glory in running an an independent record label i i mean i know it myself you have all the risk to to produce the records and stuff you have big big expectations from the artists and then you you need to distribute your stuff and it's not easy it's, and, and of course with uh, with the uh, digitalization and stuff this this business needed to reinvent itself many many times already so we decided to have this approach on on independent record labels. And we, we were thinking about relevant parties first as this podcast interview series, where we actually talk to the founders of the labels. And here we we are working with Chell Ravens, a young journalist from London. She She's also doing things for The Guardian and Wire Magazine and Craig and, and others. And she's interviewing the people behind the labels for this podcast
0: series. I've been listening to a few episodes. So she's- Okay, cool. And the content is really interesting. Actually, I mean, I found out about the capsule collection through the podcast.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, great. That's good. That's the perfect way. Yeah, and then we decided to highlight the first season uh, with the capsule collection. And uh, for us, it was important that the participating labels come from different countries. We just didn't want to have six labels from the UK and the US. We wanted really to have to have a stretch. So there's uh, Jazzy Sport from Japan. There's ghostly from uh, with with an origin very close to Detroit, uh, yeah, an uh, Arabic, but now in New York. There's public possession from Munich, uh, so it should be a mix. And the next uh, volume is already in the making. There's Pan, Thanks, uh, Pan Records from from. From Berlin, but there's also Ed Banger from from Paris coming.
2: Rush Hour from Amsterdam.
1: Rush Hour from Amsterdam. So it's again a mix of independent record labels from all over the world. And of course, you can imagine to work as one brand with six other brands, that's kind of a hassle (laughs) to coordinate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Since now we know the reason why you chose certain labels and we are inferring it because you explained very well your approach to music in general. I would love you to discuss further your approach to design. Besides being limited edition, how does this partnership stand out from the merch we can find on their websites? Is it challenging to come up with visuals that have to match both with yours and the label's brand identity?
2: Yes. It is. It depends, you know, what you want. I mean, if you just want to have the label logo on the t shirt, then not, but that's not what we want. And that's what this was not what we asked when we asked the participating labels. So, sure, it's not so easy to find the right match aesthetically, but. Uh, we are patient and so far it worked out <laughs>
1: we have to be very patient honestly so it's a big uh, a lot of back and forth first you decide who is contributing the design is it mm. our designers our car designers or uh, is the label coming up with something so also in some cases we didn't really find the right match and then we just we just left the idea again but we must say in some cases like DFA the the, the artwork was created by Eric Copeland who's also an who's an was a visual artist, but also an artist on DFA okay. records. Mm. So that was a perfect match. But in other cases, like Ghostly, the design was designed by, by our team, by, mm. by Hans Berger from our own uh, creative department. And also here, this is kind of a process where you find the right match. And then of course, we were always trying to get beyond usual label merch. We always mm. wanted to find uh, the right match between a car design approach and the label or were, were kind of motivating to the label to come up with something different than usually. I, I must say it worked really well.
0: Was there an overall design direction that you applied to all the labels or did you actually have to create a bespoke designs for each one? The
1: idea mm. is that we have always one design per label, which comes in different variations. It's like there's mm. there's maybe a t-shirt or a long sleeve in two colors oh, and sure. one, or, yeah. Or shirt and or hoodie, yeah, and one more item. So it's either a t-shirt or long sleeve and one other item. So that's the basic idea. But then there's is the label linked to a certain color. Like
2: take for example Jesse Sport, who do soccer events uh, in in Japan. So they wanted to have a soccer jersey. Yeah. To represent what they are standing yeah. for beside
0: the music. Looked more st- like a baseball jersey to me with those. Yeah, true, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah true, but true,
1: true, true. It's more baseball inspired. It, it always needs to be a match between the labels' aesthetics and uh, Car Hard Work in Progress aesthetics.
0: Yeah. Also, you produced mm-hmm. mixtapes.
1: We always had a, f- uh, a real yeah. uh, a record or yeah. like a seven inch, like Moody Man provided us with a second a 7 that inch means. for his
2: we had to fill a cuticle record yeah so they had was, the Motown Marvin Gay Life record. Yeah,
1: there yeah. was always a record uh, uh, accompanying the music collections. And for this case, we decided to go for tapes. Uh, so for real tapes. Uh, uh, and mm. because we just thought it's a good fit for, for, the, for the design mm. approach and the idea to have a combining format, which, yeah, which sets the right frame for all mm. labels.
0: When are we going to see the volume two of Relevant Parties? in summer in summer yeah. <laughs> in we summer. don't
1: know exactly when but it's gonna be uh, july august uh, yeah, yeah.
2: something around
1: that
0: yeah. time i'm trying my luck but can you give us a spoiler of uh, some interesting projects uh, you guys are working on and we might see in the future of car uh, art music
2: Ooh. <laughs> good question Ooh. we stop
0: <laughs> no, Wait, no you retire it's about that. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no. no we
1: can tell you like uh, volume two this will be uh, as we already mentioned Ed Banger Rush Hour Exit Records uh, we will again have a Mahogany design on New Sound on New Ray Sound yeah. Yeah. so that's maybe the biggest spoiler we can give you. Mm-hmm. Of course we are working on many 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 projects <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh, but let's see. <laughs>
2: also it has to be said, you know, you asked before the how we see events we always did events, we always helped uh, little festivals also artists, so this is not happening at the moment and we are still trying to find a good way to do something that is not the next DJ stream. You know what I mean? Michael, yeah.
0: Philippe, we talked about the past of art, the present, your main collaborations, the way you approach music and design. Also, we got to know you and your life BC, aka Before Carrard. At this point in the show, we would normally have our columns, just to wrap up the conversation and to let you express your own preferences and ideas. The first column is a word on the street. Word on the street. Normally I would ask our guests if there are any specific artists, musicians they would like to collaborate with. I don't know if you feel like mentioning maybe a music scene in this case you are interested in and you are looking at this time.
1: I must really say, um like when it comes to visionary music and and newness uh i must say i'm mostly fascinated by the output of pan records honestly no. uh i think uh beatrice dylan album was one of the best last yeah, year and and anne imov was the year before but uh, also
2: amnesia scanner is I,
1: I just think that that Bill is uh, totally Collegas, in the future I mean we, we have him also on, on relevant parties of course and we had him with the reference festival but I think his approach to to release music as a label and his artistic direction that's really fascinating at the moment I would say
2: also when you ask the question for uh, the next card radio show in March we have a label from Manchester called Youth which is very modern to me I mean sure it's always a personal question also but that is a very modern label that fuses hip-hop all sorts of electronics also some rock parts are in it and it is also partly with good political standpoints of our time so it's very interesting. You might find out about it on BoomCat, they feature it also a lot.
0: Crossovers and gender fluidity in music are a big thing right now. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sure. Yeah.
0: Also, more famous labels like Warp, for instance, yeah. are defining yeah. themselves as genderless. Yeah.
1: But again, also here, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know where the first Aka release was, yeah. but there was definitely one on, on Pan before yeah. he was on uh, Warp. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. That, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and so, again, I see how important the, the, the indie record labels are and um, the artistic directions of, of its founders. It's such an enrichment to music <clears> to, <throat> to have this journalist approach, of
0: course, now, which you have now in many scenes. Another column, it's called a private collection private collection if you were to normal guests, I would ask you to tell me about a record sleeve or a music video that really changed your life. But I want to change this question slightly since we're talking about a fashion brand. And I'm going to ask you the band T that has the most emotional value for you.
2: They don't fit anymore, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I must so, uh, say I'm, I would really love to
1: to answer the record of my life-changing thing. Ask for that
0: one, of course.
1: <laughs> uh, but uh, let's first come to the band t-shirt. Not so much because of the design or anything, just when I was starting collecting records and DJing a lot, I always drove to two cities to buy my records and stuff. That was Aachen, Tam Tam Records, and Cologne Groovetech. And when I drove to Groovetech once, I met Dagmar. She's now, she was called Dagmar da Mörderin as a DJ. And uh, she gave me a Ninja Tune t-shirt shirt in 1995 or six mm. and I have kept this for so many, many years. I, I just moved and I couldn't find it anymore. So I'm a bit sad, but it must be anywhere. Hmm. So that this one was really, uh, that That was a strong one.
0: This is cooler than the current one, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. Yeah, th- it was, uh, yes. <laughs> you had to yeah. say, what about the, the record sleeve?
1: A record sleeve for me is clearly Neu. Hmm. Neu is for me, uh, that's, I mean, it's done by, by Klaus Dinger himself and I must really say that's uh, that's no compromise, that's so clear, and uh, that's for me one of the best
0: uh, record sleeves. Michael, what about you?
2: Yeah, I'm thinking, but I would say if I bring it all together, I don't have the t-shirt, I have to say, but if I would bring it visually together and musically together, then let's say uh, Andy Wall, Velvet Underground, the Banana record, because it's not that I'm listening to the Velvets today that often, but they're still one of the biggest bands I ever met, and they were—they are still very modern in everything they did. And the t-shirt symbolized that for me, but I also have still a Bauhaus t-shirt, and the Smith t-shirt, and I don't know, you know, a Paradise Garage shirt I have too. It's difficult, you know, there's not one taste.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't send you this question in advance because I want to rely on no, that. Totally
2: we have Goldie now on the show, you know, and we I speak for both of us here. Timeless is a record from the 90s. It still is so great. And um, I would call it also one of the records that built me and that time, you know.
1: Yeah, that's definitely that. That, that was the record I would I would have mentioned if if one record really changed my life. That's the one that gave me the yeah. impulse to okay uh, now i'll be i mean that's that's this this feeling that you can only have maybe in your 20s where you think like okay this is it that's i i need to do nothing but this yeah. <laughs> produce yeah. this you know what i'm talking about and this uh, this was really yeah. a strong uh, strong momentum yeah, yeah.
0: You gave us plenty of inspiration and a broad idea of your taste in music and design. We have the last two minutes, the show is about to be over. And we have one more column, this is another surprise. Flavors. Once again, it's about your taste in things. Recommend us an Instagram page and a local spot slash venue.
2: Yeah, for me, it's easy at the moment. For Instagram, it's an co- account It's called Mysterious Content. Very funny, <laughs> <laughs> amazing pictures. And uh, in Berlin, I must say, I really enjoyed in the past two years, a venue in Neukölln called Aka Oder. It's It was just launched, I think, two and a half years ago. And they display all sorts of music is very intimate, it's not a club, which is a point for Berlin because they were not about raving and techno music, you know, because Berlin is a strong techno club oriented town. So, Aka Oda. Are you too old for clubs, Michael? No, you are never too old for clubs. Sadly, the people who go to clubs mostly stay young, but in my imagination it should be, if, you know, if I like techno with 30, why shouldn't I like techno with 60? And there must be a place where I can dance to it.
0: I agree but with you. I miss clubs clubbing mostly, so much. For me,
1: I must say, um, I just moved to Berlin. Like Literally, I'm I'm here now since 8 days. Yeah. And, uh, and, Congratulations
0: on your big move, Philippe.
1: <laughs> so so uh, I lived in Dusseldorf for 25 years and I've been going back and forth a lot to Berlin in the last 3 years of course I must say the the page that explains most the kind of Berlin view on on uh on society and how it should be, then I can uh, recommend ZOZI36. It's uh, S-O-Z-I and then 36. It's from Kreuzberg and it's somebody who basically writes political statements mostly on mattresses, which you can find a lot on Berlin streets. If I talk about places I must say there's a there's a place that I miss already from from Dusseldorf which I haven't been to that much even before the lockdown I must admit but always when I went I really had a good time and it was driven by all my friends. Uh, that's Salon des Amateurs, uh, which is directly located at Kunsthalle uh, in Düsseldorf. It's kind of the heart of the musical scene on Düsseldorf.
0: Thank you, Philip. You don't need to write down these uh, names because we will share them on our Instagram page, Synesthesia_Podcast. underscore podcast, go and follow us. We are still small, but growing. And uh, you will find not only these recommendations, by Michael and Philip but also some um, materials and pictures that they will share with me and you probably haven't seen about the relevant parties uh, uh, capsule collection as well as uh, hopefully some um, collaborations from the past uh, and uh, iconic uh, pictures from uh, car art uh, in the mid 2000s uh, early 2000s thank you Michael and Philip yes thank you thank
1: you <laughs> it was really great to, to discuss Discover. I mean, I must say, I discovered your podcast through your request, and I already had a good time listening to Kyle's contribution. Mm. And uh, um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And and it's it's cool. It's a really nice and very different
0: approach, and it's good to listen to. Thank you. It was my privilege to have two guests, uh, as you guys. Bye bye, guys. Thank you. Thank
2: you very much.
0: Bye. You just listened to Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Subscribe to our channel and follow us on Instagram at synesthesiapodcast.